what is going on everybody what is going on what is going on everybody this is the bounce podcast episode 88 my name is jabari anderson with my co-host l'oreal l'oreal how you doing i'm doing good jabari i'm doing good yes indeed 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 are we are you ready for this it is now time now time later this week it will be football season professional nfl season is on its way 2022 and we're ready we are set and i'm looking forward to see what does happen later on so let's go let's go ahead and get the show in a row so um <clears throat> the nfl starts on thursday with a season opener matchup between the buffalo bills and the los angeles rams i just want to say this right now i think that is very very weird that that's how they want to start off the nfl season i mean out of all teams that the rams could have faced they decided to go with the bill. They didn't think about the Packers, think about the Chiefs. Maybe it could be the Buccaneers, but out of all teams, you said, let's do the Buffalo Bills for some reason. And yeah, it, whatever. Anyway, now Los Angeles Rams, who won the championship last season, they are fourth as far as the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They are behind the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, and the, and the Buffalo Bills, which indeed, let me just say this right now. The Buffalo Bills are the favorites to win it all. I just want to say this right now. Where the heck is this coming from with the Buffalo Bills being the favorites to win it all right here? Where, what, what, I know they have Von Miller, and they, that's a good addition and whatnot, but where the heck is this coming from with the Buffalo Bills being the favorites? What, what did I see last year that made me believe that they should be the favorites this year? What thing? Anyway. This is about the L.A. Rams. So now they did give us that epic game. Uh, we kind of give credit to that. They was close to getting to the championship and, game. And, wait, wait, close what championship game? How do you get close to a championship game when you lost in the, in, the, in a divisional playoffs? You lost in the divisional round. That, that, that's not that's not technically close. But this let's just go back to Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams, like I said, fourth as far as you know the favorites to win it all. Now, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that are saying that they could go back to the Super Bowl, but not not a lot are saying they're going to, you know, go back to back. L'Oreal, would the L.A. Rams repeat as Super Bowl champions? Um, I have them as my repeating Super Bowl champions. And the reason why I picked the Rams to go back to back is, okay, look, we understand that obviously OBJ is going to be hurt. That's going to cause some issues. They did end up, you know, losing by Miller and some people. But when you think about the team and some of the upgrades that they added to this team, this team looks, I think, perfectly fine to be a team that can go back to back. You already have the foundation in Sean McVay. Now he has his quarterback that he can trust in in Matthew Stafford. Obviously, every season is not the same. We have seen in situations where there were some games that were a bit dicey, especially in the playoffs. But the true thing is with Matthew Stafford is he proved that once he left the Detroit Lions, he will win and give the Rams a championship. He did that. He has Cooper Cup. Let me remind you guys, Cooper Cup had a triple crown year last year. He had one of the best years we've seen in a wide receiver. I believe he can do the same thing again, and he has the quarterback that can help him do that as well. And on top of that, like I said, you still have the weapons intact. You have Cam Akers. You have um, Daryl Henderson. You have Sony Mitchell now for your running backs. I think that's a good running back core. You still have receivers. You just pick up Allen Robinson II from Chicago. I think that's going to add something to the mix. And that defense is still intact with Jalen Ramsey 
and their number one leader, Aaron Donald. And I just see this Rams team, I see them doing the same thing that they could do last season. I see them beating the teams against the NFC. I see them beating who they can eventually go up against in the AFC, whether it be the Chiefs, the Bills, maybe the Bengals go back to the Super Bowl, however that goes. But I think when you look at the Rams, they're still intact. They still have the talent. And there's no question that you can't say that they're one of the top teams, whether it be in the NFC or one of the top teams in the NFL. And I think they have what it takes to go back out there and win back-to-back. It's very difficult. We haven't seen a lot of people do it. But I think when you bring back that same amount of talent, I just don't see them not not accomplishing in it. So I see them going back-to-back as Super Bowl champions. No, I don't. No, definitely not. I definitely don't see them repeat as Super Bowl champions. Now, although... Listen, the Rams, especially Matthew Stafford, he they proved me wrong that they could actually win the whole thing. And like I said, I didn't think that Matthew Stafford Stafford had it in him, but he eventually did last season, and he proved me wrong. But let's be very clear about the L.A. Rams or how they even won the title in the first place. In the regular season, this team was 3-5 and five when they went against good teams. When they get to the playoffs, yes, they were able to beat the Cardinals, who didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. And that team was definitely not proven at all when we talk about the Cardinals. Then they go then their next opponent they go against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which that that uh secondary defense was definitely suspect. And they, they better be lucky that they had the ball back at the end because Tom Brady, who looked at old as ever, got the chance to to tie the game and then all of a sudden the Matthew Staff and the and the Rams were able to seal the deal with their fiddle kicker and get the job done at the end. Look at what happened in the NFC Championship game. I don't care what anybody say, but they got lucky they even won that game in the first place. That NFC Championship game would have been a whole lot different if one of their defensive players would have caught that interception in the fourth quarter. And I'm just going to be very clear right now. I think that the Rams were very fortunate enough to win the whole thing last year. If the fact that they didn't have to go against the Green Bay Packers I believe that it was uh, like, listen, they didn't have to go against the Packers. They didn't have to go against the Chiefs. They were very fortunate that they didn't have to go against teams that were better than them. Because I definitely do believe if the Packers were going against the L.A. Rams in the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would have been mopping up the floor with the Rams. Because that Rams, although that that Rams team is good with Jalen Ramsey and even with Aaron Donald, that defense is still is still top heavy. That defense still have not found a way how to beat the um, the Green Bay Packers. Even though we always question about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, still at the same time, the Packers in the playoffs has always had the LA Rams number, regardless of if, it was, if it was Jared Goff. And well, well, let me just be real. I never trust Matthew Stafford if he going against Aaron Rodgers. I never believe that Lions or not. And then not only that, did you look at their schedule this season? Oh, I, I didn't get a chance. <laughs> uh, well, let me just let's start right here. Because everyone say, like, you know, they're going to go back and, you know, they're going to repeat. Let's start by the, the first six games starting this off. They go against the Bills, Falcons, Cardinals, 49ers, Cowboys, and the Panthers. That Rams team could go three and three or four and two. That, I mean, look, look ain't no cakewalk in those first six no, games. Okay. Now let's go with the next six games. The 49ers, Buccaneers. Cardinals, Saints, Chiefs, the Seahawks. That's a situation where they could be on a five-game losing streak or they can go 
two and four. That's going that those next six games will be extremely tough because they're going to be aiming at their head right there. And then the final five games, you have the Raiders, the Packers, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Seahawks. I'm just being very clear. Ain't no cakewalk, okay? We just saw what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs with their tough schedule last season. Are we expecting to see the same thing with the Rams? And and look, and we saw the Chiefs were this close to even get to Super Bowl last season. With the Rams, with that NFC West, even though it's not as tough as the AFC West, it still is legit. And I don't know. I don't know if we're going to say that the Rams are just going to go back to Super Bowl and they're going to win it without looking at the schedule right here. We don't know for sure that they are a lock to win the NFC West. So looking at the schedule, I'm sorry. I don't know for sure if I can confidently say that yeah, they're going to repeat. I will say this. They have a shot to go back to, to the Super Bowl. They have a shot. I mean, everything is possible. I'm Yeah, their offense, you know, with, with adding – Allen Robinson helps out for sure. And OBJ, well, first of all, we don't know what OBJ is going to do because OBJ is still a free agent. So we don't know if he's going to be signed with the Rams or not. But still, the LA Rams are still going to have issues because that because they're going to go against a good team almost every single week. And we all say that it is tough to win back-to-back. We could all agree. It is tough to win back-to-back. The Patriots tried to do it again a couple years ago. Didn't happen. The Seahawks tried to do it. Didn't happen. The Chiefs try to do it. Didn't happen. To like I said, we're not. Of course, nobody's saying it's going to be easy that they can go back. But what I'm saying is that looking at their schedule and looking at who they're who they possibly have to face to even get back to the Super Bowl. Because I, I obviously we could agree the NFC is not as tough as the AFC right now because the AFC is is a bloodbath right now. But even if they get to the Super Bowl, I don't believe they're going to win because. I just think they're going to they're just going to lose regardless and because of what they have to go through starting on September 8th to heading to January. So I just don't see that being said and they're going to have to prove they're going to have to prove us once again that what happened last season was last season and they could be for real for this season. So I'm very curious to see if Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams can show us that they can deliver once again. Moving on to our next topic, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos agreed to a five-year, $245 million extension, including a $165 million guarantee extension. Well, it's extension guarantee, you know what I mean by that, due to his contract. So at first, you know, obviously Russell Wilson wants to get it out the way because obviously he had, before he had one year left in this deal. And I'm sure that nobody wants to go through this mess where he had one year left in this deal, that he could be a free agent after this season. But now that's out the way, so he could be there for the next five years or so. Anyway, I mean, this this the expectations going on. I mean, I'm sure that uh that last season it was not what the not the season they wanted to have, but but who cares? This team last season was seven and ten, and with Russell Wilson, they were. I'm sure that you know Russell Wilson going to the Broncos was definitely probably the biggest news out in the offseason, like the last offseason. Are the Denver Broncos a Super Bowl contender? Um, I'm going to say no, just because as much as we, well, we love Russell Wilson, and as much as we know that Russell Wilson definitely will change how the Broncos is going to go, because, I mean, having this five-year contract, it's clear that the Broncos want Russell Wilson being at his age, I think 32 or 33, to stay for this period of time and work with the Broncos. 
And working in those five years, there could be a potential possibility, but I'm not just going to sit there and think that, oh, you know, they're a Super Bowl contender. I just don't see it happening. And for a couple of reasons, um, again, so Russell Wilson, he is going to be the biggest piece, the biggest thing that's going to glue everything together. But outside of that, I'm not sure if that gives me anything that reads Super Bowl contender. Like when you look at these offensive weapons, um, obviously you got Cortland Sutton, you still have Melvin Gordon, you have KJ Hamler, you have, whether it be veteran or young guys, you have some talent that you can work with. But can I say that because Russell Wilson is there, that makes them a Super Bowl contender team? No, I can't. Um, when you look at the defense, the defense never been bad, but remember when Russell Wilson won those Super Bowls in particular, the one that he did win, he had the Legion of Boom. Obviously, he's not going to have the Legion of Boom type of defense in Denver. But when I look at the defense, is it a defense like the Rams defense or a defense that gives me Super Bowl contender? No, quite not. Maybe if Von Miller would have stayed, there could have been a potential. Because remember, Von Miller was still a part of this team. And obviously, they had the record that they had and Von Miller had to go. But my thing is, is that even if Russell Wilson is in the picture and the Broncos have their quarterback and the Broncos can go to new heights because of that. I just don't think that it's going to amount in being a Super Bowl contender type of team. Now I'm interested to see what's going to happen this season because if the Broncos can rise above, especially in this tough AFC West, especially in this tough AFC conference, then it can give me some hope that maybe they could look to be um, Super Bowl contenders. But when I just look at this entire team, even with a Russell Wilson on this team, I just don't see the Broncos being a Super Bowl contender team. So let me get this straight. How many points did the defense allow each game? Um, last season, I am not sure of that, but I do remember that the defense was top 10 or top 15 from what they, I recall. They were top three. They, 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 put, they allow only 18 points per game. Point. 18 points allowed per game. That's top three. The only team that that uh, that had less than than the Denver Broncos was the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, and that was with a average quarterback. Let's be let's be honest, an average quarterback. That's number one. Number two, um, this team in Week 14 last year was seven and six. This team had an above 500 record. They lost the last four games, and that was with. Teddy Bridgewater. Now, now Teddy Bridgewater, he's not, he not trash. He all right, but he ain't Russell Wilson. Now, how many quarterbacks that they had in the last five years that was just as good as Russell Wilson? Uh, Peyton Manning, that was the only quarterback. Last, last five, I said last five years. That was That's that right. was six, six years ago. Yes, you could say Peyton Manning. But the last five years, it was nobody. nobody. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, we, we agree that Russell Wilson is a top 10 quarterback, correct? Yes. Okay, so he's a top 10 quarterback, and you, would you say that the weapons he has are good? Yeah, they're good weapons. Okay, they're good, they're good weapons. So if, I, so if this team last season was a bottom 10 offense, what the heck is the offense going to be with Russell Wilson? Are they still going to be a bottom tier offense, or are they going to be a top tier offense? No, obviously I said that Russell Wilson is going to change the Broncos. I just don't think they're a Super How Bowl much contender better? team. How much better I, they get? Last season they were 7-10 and 10 with, with a top three defense. How yeah. much better do they get? 
I don't know if the Broncos defense is going to be number one because Russell Wilson's there. I mean, you don't know. But I'm assuming that they will be within the top five defense. We can say that. We can fairly say that. So what's their offense going to be this this season then? Um, It could be top ten. It could be potential. So, so so this is what I'm saying. A particular, a, a typical Russell Wilson year is a guy who gets you, you know, at least 4,000 passing yards, uh, over 30 touchdowns, and completes 60% of his passes. I don't see how this team doesn't make it to the playoffs or is not a Super Bowl contender. I mean, when you think about it, what gets Russell Wilson going? What When Russell Wilson is at his best is when the defense is at his best, and he has a good running back and, and Javante Williams. Javante Williams could have a breakout year. And when you have Cortland, you have Jared Judy, and you have KJ, that team can go further. Now, now there's one thing that needs to be very clear, the O-line. Now, the O-line is not what it is in Seattle because he was running for his life. But that O-line still is questionable, and that team could get better. If this team last year was 7-10 with a bottom 10 offense, what is this team going to be with one of the best quarterbacks in the game? I'm thinking to myself, they're gonna. They're not only gonna be top ten. They're probably gonna be a top five off, offense with Russell Wilson. And so when you look at their schedule as well, if you look at it because scheduling definitely matters, especially in the regular season. They go against the Seahawks, the Texans, the 49ers, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Chargers. To me, right now, that team at their at worst will go three and three. At best, they can go four and two. I don't see a situation where they struggle in the first six games. They definitely not struggle in the first two games. You look at the next six games, they go against the Jets, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Ravens. That's still respectable. That's still legit right there that I feel like I don't have nothing to worry about. The Now, the final five games, you're probably going to look and you say, okay, they got a very tough five. They got, they, it's pretty tough right there with the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Chargers again. I'm saying that right now, a team that was 7-10 last season with a top-10 quarterback with Russell Wilson, that team's going to improve. That team's going to win more than seven games, guaranteed. Absolutely. And that that team, for sure, is going to win more than one game in their own division. If I have a top-three defense and a top-10 offense with a top-10 quarterback, I'm legit. What do I have to worry about? This is why, to me, the additions that they made and also, let's not forget, they also signed Randy Gregory as well, who came from the Dallas Cowboys. That man's going to be crucial for them on the defensive end. Y'all don't think for one second that this team's not good enough to make the Super Bowl? That is why with all the things they made, the additions they made, I have this team not only not only being one of the best teams in the in the in the AFC or even in the NFL, I have them winning the division. This they will win the the AFC West. Yes, over the Chiefs over the Raiders, and over the Chargers. People are going to realize how good this team can be and that and how it's not an over-exaggeration. People are going to find out when Russell Wilson has a top-tier defense, you guys are going to see what Russell Wilson will be at his best. And you will see Russell Wilson as an MVP candidate. Sierra will be more so watching since she's going to be in Denver. She ain't going to be in Seattle right now. So we'll see We'll see what happens there. You know what I'm saying? I got to go, I gotta go to a Broncos game because, you know, you know, Denver, Denver might become my name. You know what I'm saying? You know, Russell Wilson. You know what I'm saying? You know, shout, shout out to Russell Wilson in Denver, though. You know what I'm saying? I might go ahead and see the Broncos play. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's not forget this, too. People always spoke about 
what is it like playing against the Broncos in Denver? The Denver, you want to talk about home field advantage? Home field advantage, that is in Broncos County right there. That is in their arsenal. That is their territory. Everybody could talk about everybody's home field advantage. But when you go to Denver, it's on a whole different level. And you give Russell Wilson that crowd, that atmosphere, that home field. I don't see why no way possible that they're going to not make it to the playoffs. If you want to say that they don't win the division, I get that. I get that a lot. But they're going to make it to the playoffs, and they're going to make noise when it's all said and done with a top-tier quarterback in Russell Wilson. And now let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. You know, we haven't been talking about the Cowboys in minutes. I mean, that probably is the reason why. I mean, it's, it's the Cowboys. I mean, hey, you know, but but for some reason they have a big fan base. So hey, I mean, what more can you say? Anyway, um, the Dallas Cowboys. If you're not if you're not surprised, according to Forbes, you know everybody knows Forbes are, but the Cowboys are the most valuable team in all sports. We talk about in the world in all sports. They are worth $8 billion, $8 billion, $8 billion. More, more than the Yankees, more than the Knicks, Lakers, Warriors, uh, any uh, soccer team in the world, any hockey team. Well, of course, any hockey team, but still more than anybody, anybody. They are an $8 billion franchise. Lord have mercy. And they haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1996. They haven't been to the NFC Championship since 1996. Uh, like L'Oreal, were you born around that time? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I know it's 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 crazy, like just to think about the Dallas Cowboys. But for some, like I said, they haven't been to the to the Super Bowl since 1996, January 1996. But for some reason, they have this big fan base, and they still making money. They still making money. Lord have mercy. Shoot, my goodness. Anyway, all right, let me go back. Sunday night main event on NBC. They will go against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. How far can the Cowboys go this season? Um, the farthest I see them going is a wild card playoff spot. Um, I don't think they're winning this division at all. I picked the Eagles because I just like the situation of Jalen Hurts improving this season, along with the acquisition of A.J. Brown. The running game is there. The defense is there. When I just look at the Cowboys – Yes, they have some talent, but to what degree do we even speak highly of that talent? To be quite honest with you, like, let's be real. Like, do we speak about Des Prescott like that? No, the dude's not a scrub. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. But what I have seen lately from the Cowboys, it doesn't give me any feeling of Des Prescott being the leader or Des Prescott being to the highest degree of what people is putting him to be. I'm sorry. Like, he can't even compete with some of these other quarterbacks. So let's start there. Um, let's really start with the running back. I don't know what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know what happened. This man was on a tear, and then he just disappeared, and he's trying to get back. I get the personal issues, um, injuries, things like that, but that's disappointing to me, very disappointing. Because In high school, you were the thought, man, homie. <laughs> For real, you just wasn't a man, man. It's very sad, very sad, but you're getting all that money, but it's very, very sad. Um, I like C.D. Lamb. I do. You know, I think he's young, so we still need to see a lot from him, but I think that he has some talent and stuff. Um, they lost Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper yep, yep, went to Cleveland, they so mm -hmm. they lost, um, I think, will be a big chunk of what we'll see this season, really, because remember, Amari Cooper last season – 
had a lot of yards, had some touchdowns. He was a part of that Cowboys offense. So I think if you take him away from that, I think you're going to see the damaging effects of that. Um, on top of that, you know, thankfully you have Michael Parsons, but you got rid of um, Randy Get Gregory. That's not a good. That's not a good look. And on top of that, the defense at times is not 100% solid either. So when I just think of all these things, like to be quite honest with you, and I made my list, Jabari, of who I was picking in the playoffs. I mean, I'm kind of contemplating on if I even see Dallas going to the playoffs, to be honest. I really like, I just don't, I just don't really, really? see. Yes, I don't see the Cowboys. You don't see them as a lock, basically. Yeah, I don't see them as a lock. Okay, all right. That, that makes very no, hard that, for that's me. fair. Yeah, it's very hard for me to pick them as a lock because I just don't see what any difference can happen this season. I really don't. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what um McCarthy can do. I don't know what can happen for the Cowboys to reach the heights of what they need to reach. It's pretty big rights. I mean, you haven't made the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game over 20, 25 years. Yeah, over 25 <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot to do. And when you just look at this talent, the talent is there, but I just don't see this talent resulting in no Super Bowl win or even winning more than playoff game. Like, I'm serious. The talent is always even, there. The talent has always, always been there. Always it's always been, been there. It's not. It's, it's nothing else. Like it's always something. I t what What do people keep on saying? Well, what does Stephen A. Smith always say? They are a accident waiting to happen. What can go wrong will go wrong. It's always something going on with the Cowboys. Every single time. I don't know what it is, but something always happens again. It could be the quarterback. It could be health. It could be the coach. It could be maybe the owner, the GM doing something bad. It could, it's something on the field where they mess up. Now, let's go back to this. Now, you look at their offense. You say, okay, it's it's not bad. CeeDee Lamb, Dalton, Michael Gallup. I mean, it's, I mean, it's fine. Zeke, I mean, I don't know what happened to Zeke. Like I said, damn, homie. In high school, you was the man, homie. What happened? I mean, seriously, Tony Parler. Like, I mean, what, what, listen, they got to make sure they take care of Tony Pollard because that man right there is going to be a free agent after this season. He's going to get paid somewhere else. So y'all better make sure y'all keep that guy right there. I'm, I, if, if my, in my opinion, he should be a starting running back the way how Zeke is playing. Now, the defense, I, I don't think the defense will be an issue. I mean, obviously you lost Randy Gregory. I think that that is something to be alarmed about. But this team last season was a top 10 defense. I don't think they're going to make that big of a drop because I think they could still be good, at least be like top 10 or top 15 for sure. You still got Michael Parsons. You still got Demarcus Lawrence. You still got Trevor Diggs. That team is still going to be be legit. I don't see going to be the issue is Malik Hooker is still there. I think that when you look at the Cowboys, the defense would not be the issue why they don't win at the end. It's going to be their offense, which is kind of interesting. If you look at their offense last season, they were number one. They were ranked the best offense in the NFL. But the problem that people don't talk about this is that later on in the season, they start to look inconsistent. Remember that? Remember there were times when they would go against the Cardinals or the 49ers where they would score seven points in the first three quarters. And then also they score yep. like 14, maybe 20 points in the fourth yep. quarter. Like, <laughs> where, where, where was this? Where, where were you in the first three quarters? And that's the thing. Dak Prescott, He's a good quarterback, but what do we talk about this last year? We like 
Dak Prescott is all he is is the better version of Kirk Cousins. That's all he is. I just don't know what needs to happen. And all, not only that, they also you guys do know this that Tyron Smith is also going to be out. You know, you know, for a couple months as well. I mean, he's out. He also had a, a torn hamstring, I believe. He's going to be. He might come back in December. You know, like I said, that's that's a good part that you need for part of your O line or your D line for sure. I mean, you you're going to miss him. You need some help right there. I just look at the Dallas Cowboys, and obviously you lose Amari Cooper, which I don't see why they let Amari Cooper go. But I understand because there are times he's he's hit and miss. Having Amari Cooper there is better than not having him there. Exactly. I'm just I'm looking at this Cowboys team, and I just don't know what they can do. I think as far as what can – first of all, let's be real. P- playoffs is the bare minimum. They, they, ain't, no, ain't no point of – Oh, we gotta make it the players. No, 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 no. Jared Jones wants to wants to say Super Bowl bust. That's the expectations. Now, as far as how far do I think they can go, I think they could make it to the playoffs. Could they win their division? Yeah, sure. They they could. They could possibly win their division. It's a possibility. <laughs> it's a possibility. I mean, I won't, I won't I won't let the because the NFC East is so weak. I mean, it's it's gonna be a little bit better depending on you know what happens. But I don't have faith that the NFC East is going to be that tough. So they have a shot. But either way, I can see them getting to the wild card, maybe win a playoff game. But that's it. But that depends on who they go against in the playoffs. Because I don't, because if they go against the Packers or the 49ers or Lord behold, yeah, the Buccaneers, they're losing for sure. So they just better be, they better hope that they go against some bad team or an average team in the playoffs so they can at least win a playoff game. But outside of that, I don't see them going to the NFC championship game. You're right. This team right here, I don't like this team didn't necessarily get better. This, they either got worse or they stayed the same. And Jared Jones could still talk about, you know, he, listen, he could still be a billionaire. He could still find a way how to fool these fans on, on making more money each year. I don't know how they do it, but this Cowboys team is all about results. And last time I checked, the results are inconsistent. The results are we can't even get to the NFC Championship. So why on earth should I believe in the Cowboys? How about those Cowboys? Well, those Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. So that's why, to me, I I don't care what anybody says. At I think personally, for me, I I don't have them winning the, the, the division. I think they will be a wild card team. But <laughs> would I be surprised if they missed the playoffs? No, because well, it's because it's the Cowboys. That, that's the reason why. It's the Cowboys. What do, what do you, I'm never surprised that the Cowboys missed the playoffs. I mean, are you kidding me? It's the freaking Cowboys. And until we realize that the Cowboys is not who we think they are, well, until, well, I said it back. Until their fans know that they're not who we think they are, then we will stop talking about them. Because again and again and again, they're still making money. People are still going to watch these games. And people are still saying they are America's team. Why I do not know. Listen, I, they got five Super Bowls. That's cool enough. That's cool. But that was in the past. Yeah. That was in the past. The past, past. Okay. Can we talk about have they? <laughs> what have they done in the 21st century? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm getting so sick and tired of these people talking about the Dallas Cowboys. It's you know, it's like you know, Cowboys fans remind me of the Knicks. The Knicks. The Knicks fans are so delusional. It's like, bro, like you would have thought that that the Cowboys were were like in the last 10 years, the t- last 15 years 
winning titles. Like seriously, like I, I don't care what happened in the 1990s and, and beforehand, bro. When what happened in the 21st century? Y'all irrelevant right now. The only reason why y'all relevant because everyone want to buy your, buy your merchandise, want to make sure they watch you, and for for every reason, I don't know, it's the Dallas Cowboys for some reason. Get them off my television. And that's the problem. Jerry Jones likes to ruin stuff. That's the problem with that. That's what I have a problem with. Jerry Jones always finds a way to mess up the franchise. He ain't listen. He ain't messing up business wise. Business wise, he got it. But as far as when it comes to football related. Oh, no, he ain't got it right there. No, no way, no how. I think that the Cowboys at best should just be happy that they will make it to the playoffs and then have their, you know, their free wild card playoff exit because they'll be going home and then they're going to talk about how next year is going to be their year. So let's just stop talking about the Cowboys real quick. (laughs) And Jerry Jones could still count his money because that's all he's going to have. He's going to have money, but not results in winning in the playoffs. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the NCAA football, which is here. It's officially here. Every team, as of right now, every college football team is now playing, unless I'm mistaken of anybody else. But everybody's playing. So we are here. And according to the news that happened on Friday, the College Football Playoffs Board of Managers voted to expand. They voted, they voted yes, 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 yes. They, they voted unanimously to expand the college football playoffs from four teams to 12 teams in 2026, but can soon, but it could come as soon as 2024. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if it can come soon. I'll, listen, the sooner the better. I don't care. And I'll say this yes. right now. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I love it. I love it. I love the fact that we have 12 teams that will come to the playoffs. We are, they are now expanding it to 12 teams. It is about damn time. I get tired of the fact that it was, well, first of all, prior to 2014, I was already tired of the fact that we had those two, and that was based on strength of schedule, which I thought that was stupid as hell. I was, I was like, why the heck are they determining strength of schedule and they're just picking two teams based on that that is dumb as hell and then knowing that it's usually be the same old two teams like they you know who they're gonna bring up most likely and then you got four teams which i thought was better like it's it was like it's not what i want but it's a step to the right direction and i just think that it was just nonsense that we always had alabama in the playoffs almost every time like, I mean, like, they, like, in these eight years in college football playoffs, Alabama made it to the playoffs seven times. Clemson made it to the playoffs six times. Ohio State made it to the playoffs four times. Oklahoma, I think, four times as well. And then you got, you know, LSU, U of M, Michigan State, they made it one time or two times, something like that. But still, it's about time that we now see some, someone different. It's about time because it's like you're predicting that Alabama could possibly make it. And it's like... Bro, can we can we can we at least see other teams that have a chance? Which I'm happy that we have because now since we have 12 teams, that gives other teams more opportunities to be in the playoffs as well. Now there's expectations for U of M for Michigan State for Notre Dame to make it to the playoffs, Cincinnati to make it to the playoffs. I'm more intrigued to see this to me is more interesting because we can see more upsets. We can see the possibility that we might see. Uh, a new matchup in the NCAA football championship game. I like that a lot better. And I'm so glad that board of managers for, for NCAA football, they got the job done. If they could get this in 2024, I'll be more prepared. I'll be more happy to see this. 
but to have this with 12 teams, I'm good. I'm fine. I love it. The more, the better. It's about seeing more teams in the playoffs when it comes to college football. And everybody's all worried about the regular season. Let me, let's be real. A lot of y'all don't really care about those bowl games like that. A lot of them could be pointless as hell. Like, I'm really tired of really seeing these pointless bowl games. If you replace them to legit playoff games, people could be more intrigued. So I am happy as hell that they they have it to 12 teams. Hopefully they can have it in 2024. But I'm excited for sure. No doubt about it. Let's get it on. I love this for sure. I like the idea of expanding it, especially the 12 teams. And like I said, when you saw what happened last season, especially with the fact that they had the nerve to argue about Cincinnati trying to be in the top four because, well, you know, they're in the weak division. And, yeah, they had the best record. Like, that to me was just BS. I'm like, come on, man. This is one of the best teams in college football. And you can't just give one moment to give them credit. That's when I knew that um, a team expansion had to happen. Because for me, to you, the question that just because you want to make your money and have Alabama and Clemson, I get it. We get it. We get it. As you know, SEC, we get it. Like those teams, LSU, those teams are always going to be in the conversation. That is not the issue. The issue is that when you have emerging teams like the Cincinnati's of the world, the U of M's, we can even throw out a West Virginia. There is a lot of teams out there that fight just as hard as these other big top teams to get into the college playoffs. And especially what we have seen lately, it was extremely hard to do that. Now it's not going to be that hard. More teams who I think are more worthy of having television time, having endorsement time, and having that time to actually compete with the big dogs, they get to do that. And I'm glad that they get to do that. And, you know, I understand people was thinking, oh, so they got to play multiple games and things like that. I mean, think about it. The popularity of college football has rise since they've done this playoffs. They're not going to do an exact March Madness because obviously that's way too many teams. But when you think about it, 12 teams is, I think, a perfect type of bracket. I think people might be interested in thinking, well, there's 12 teams now. Which 12 teams did I want to put in my bracket? Maybe that's what college football playoffs were thinking because clearly they were thinking about making more money and how can they do that? Getting more teams into the playoffs, getting more exposure. That's what's going to happen because when you only have like Georgia, Alabama, and LSU in the same conversation every time, that's for them. That's for their game. And as far as I'm concerned, they don't need any more game because they get what they need. But for the teams like within the Big Ten, the ACC, maybe a MAC conference team can get into there if they're that good enough. This HBCUs, I mean, this provides so much leg room, I think, for the whole, like the whole college football landscape. And I think that that's important. That's why they made the decision that they made. And I love this decision. I say bring it on. I agree with you too. I think of setting having pointless bowl games, have the bowl games for the necessary teams who you know is going to go in the playoffs and then go straight into the bracket because that's all you need. That's all you need. They'll cut out all the bowl games. That could probably cut up some time off for those teams who are going into the playoffs. So then there won't be an issue of, well, you have to play all these games at the end of the season, then your bowl game, and then you're going to play playoffs the following week. It'll make things a lot more easier. And I'm sure because of this 2026 or 2024 time slide, that gives more time to add more, you know, um, 
specifics into it. So it's not just a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. But give me all these teams and give me something to actually watch for college football. And I'm I love it. I'm for it. Yeah, give me this with meaningful games instead of give me just some regular PlayStation bowl game or some uh I don't know, some uh, booty sweat uh bowl game or something like that. I ain't gonna lie. No, no, it's not it's there. It's, I, I never I never heard of a booty sweat bowl game. I never heard that. <laughs> I was just making something up. <laughs> I was like, all these bowl games of the Fiesta Bowl, uh what should we call it? The Hawaiian Bowl. I mean Chick-fil-A shoot. Peach Bowl. <laughs> right, exactly. Chick-fil-A, uh the Little Caesars Bowl, like all these other bowls, like like give, give me some meaningful uh playoff games for Christ's sake. Like that, that's what I care about right now. Like, like I said. Bring on the the playoff expansion. I'm here for it, people. I'm here for it. Let's see it. And that listen, I, I don't know. We're gonna see a HBCU or a Mac team make it to the to the you know to a 12 team playoff bracket. But you know what? But here's what I'll say: I will be happy if it does happen. I would. I would. I would. I would not be. You know, I would not be mad if that does happen. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on. So moved on to the NBA. Oh man, last week was definitely stunning. I mean. I'm sure everybody was kind of like surprised that this news actually happened. But uh, L'Oreal, if you want to do the honors of what happened last Thursday, take it away. Absolutely. So last Thursday, the trade finally happened, folks. Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz was officially traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers last Thursday. And in return, the Utah Jazz in return get Colin Sexton, Lori Marketing, one of their other rookies, as well as multiple first round picks and two swaps. So clearly this changes everything because when you look at Cleveland's lineup real quick, you have Mitchell and Garland at the guards. You can switch between Karis LeVert or others in that three spot. And then your four and five spot, pretty solid with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So this is a very interesting team going forward to the playoffs. So let's start out with you, Jabari. I'm going to ask this question. Will the Cavs be a top five team now with Donovan Mitchell in the Eastern Conference? Absolutely, they would be a top five team. They they probably would be a top four team, if you ask me. If you look at the Cavaliers, this is a, a win-win situation. For them to – listen, they didn't have to give up Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jerry Allen, or Karis LeVert, and all they had to do was give up these players right here for Donovan Mitchell, a couple of draft picks. Let's start with the draft picks real quick. Everybody wants to talk about all these draft picks here and there. Let me be very clear. If you have your core and you believe that you guys are going to be legit in the near future, what the heck do you care about these picks when it's, when it's about winning? That's what it's about. And you bring back a star, not an all-star, a star, a top 15, 20 player in this game right now. Honestly, with Donovan Mitchell, he definitely enhanced his team because what they needed was another shooting guard. They didn't need another small forward. They got that in Karis LeVert. They needed another shooting guard. And him alongside with Darius Garland, that's going to be special. This man can shoot, can get to the basket, can hit mid-range shots. He can. He averaged 25 points per game, can give you 45 rebounds, 45 assists. He doesn't need to be the playmaker like Darius Garland. Darius Garland is going to give Donovan Mitchell easy looks. But with him, who could be your closer, who's playing alongside with Darius Garland, who is better than Mike Conley in his stage of his career. When you look at um, any power forward that Donovan Mitchell has ever played with, any any power forward uh, when he was in Utah, Evan, Evan Moley is going to be his, is going to be the best player he's ever played with at the power forward position. And then you look at the center position, Jared Allen. 
Jared Allen, his high, his highest potential could be better than Rudy Gobert. Right now, I will give the edge to Rudy Gobert, but right now, Jared, Jared Allen on both ends of the floor, that man could be legit. Alongside with the bench, when you have Karis LeVert, who could do the exact same thing that Jordan Clarkson does, for real, with Ricky Rubio, hopefully that he can stay healthy. With Kevin Love, Jetty, uh, yeah, Jetty Osmond, that team can be legit. That team right there can, can be dangerous. That team can make moves. Are they better than the Atlanta Hawks? Absolutely. Are they better than the Chicago Bulls? Absolutely. Are they better than the Toronto Raptors? Absolutely. Are they better than the Philadelphia 76ers? Absolutely. Honestly, I got to say this. I don't even think this is a hot take, but I honestly believe that Donovan Mitchell is the best shooting guard in the East. Seriously. Think about the shooting guards. Even though I would I would rather have Jalen Brown than Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is better than Jalen Brown. Uh, Bradley Bill, Donovan Mitchell easily. Uh, who else? Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell easily. James Harden, if not, unless, unless you consider... James Harden, a one, you know, that's the next, then I guess you had no problem with that. But in the East, James Harden or Donovan Mitchell, ah, ah, that's tough. That's real tough right there. But if you told me who I will roll with, who I believe is more dependable, man, I would take Donovan Mitchell easily. Because you know why? Because I know for a fact that, even, listen, if he ain't trying, then I don't want him. And I believe that Donovan Mitchell is a guy who would do anything to make sure something happens where James, don't get me started about James Harden with all the collapse he has had, all the disappointments. So for me, I'm taking Donovan Mitchell over James Harden any day. Get at me. When you look at this Cavaliers team, last season, this team was ranked sixth in defense. Last season, this team was ranked 20th in offense. Now that you add Donovan Mitchell for offensive purposes, they will be at least top 15 probably top 10 defensively i don't expect him to do much but when you when you have him alongside with evan mobley and jerry allen alongside with okoro you got guys who he could depend on around all the pieces around him the defense will still be there this team was not well technically they were ranked eighth and they had to go down as a knife this team reached the plan last year think about what's going to happen this upcoming season next season they will be a top 14. At their best, they could be a top three team in the East. I'm talking about making noise for sure. I won't put them over Boston or put them over Milwaukee because those teams got better or they still are good enough to reach the finals again. But when you look at the Cavaliers, man, I'm talking about they can make a power move. And for them to, to do what they have to do, Donovan Mitchell is in a better situation in Cleveland than he would be in New York or Miami. This is absolutely the best situation for Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, as unexpected as this trade was when we, when I saw he was going to Cleveland, I'm like, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. You're paired with a great guard who was an all-star in Darius Garland. So now you have one of the best backcourts in the league. Your front court now is solid. And I know a lot of people, it's like, well, these guys are young. You know, they're going to play so much. Obviously, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen won't have to play 40 minutes all the time because you know why? They have Kevin Love coming off the bench. You have Robin Lopez coming off the bench. So I'm not really concerned at all about this team getting burnt out or anything like that. They have the perfect blend now at this point of youthful guys, and they have the pop, the good blend 
of veterans as well. So I think Cleveland, they're going to be just fine. I'm just excited to see Donovan Mitchell be in the situation where he can be the number one guy, but at the same time, he has people that he can depend on. He could depend on Garland. He could depend on Levert. He could depend on his defensive guys. Because remember, even if Rudy Gobert was the best player defensively, a lot of times because of what he can't do as opposed to what Mitchell can do, you can see Mitchell a lot of times when he was in Utah kind of overcompensating himself because he had to do a little bit more to help the team get over the hump. I mean, why do you think Utah was able to be the number one seed that year or to make it to the multiple playoff wins that and appearances they was able to do because of what Donovan Mitchell had to do on top of what he had to do because of other people. I think that in this situation in Cleveland, he don't have to worry about defense. He don't got to worry about that. He got to play his role, make his shots, turn up when you need to, and that's all you have to do because you have a point guard that will be right by your side who is younger and better right now than Conley. And you also have good forwards, and I said a great defense. Like, definitely, they're better than Atlanta. They're better than Chicago. They're better than Toronto. They're better than Charlotte. They're better than a lot of teams. They have the potential to be better than Boston if they can go, you know, up on them as far as the defense or the offense. Because if you have a Donovan Mitchell, this offense is going to get better. It's going to be top 10. And especially if you're in the Eastern Conference, there's no issues either. Donovan Mitchell doesn't have to worry about, like, the Clippers. He ain't got to worry about the Warriors, Memphis. I think he's more than happy that he's in the East because at least he's like, okay, I'm with a good young team, good young staff. I like the coach, J.B. Bickerstaff. I think he's doing a great job right now in Cleveland. This is the best situation for him by far. So I think now that he's in Cleveland, we're going to see Cleveland go up. And remember, Jabari, I said that teams like Cleveland or, you know, we'll see what Detroit can do. These teams are trying to get into the play-in. So when you make moves like this, you have to make a move like this. You have to do what you got to do. And on top of the fact that you didn't have to give nobody up, like just like what Boston did to get Malcolm Brogdon, this is a win-win for sure for Cleveland. And I think they're a top team for sure. Like I said, We'll see what happens throughout the season. But when you have a backcourt with Garland and Mitchell, it could be one of the best backcourts in the league. Trust me. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, the only thing that you'll probably be concerned about is the, obviously, it's the size between Darius Garland and, you know, Diamond Mitchell. Obviously, that would have been a problem if he was in New York. But still, I think that, you know, probably the, the you know, the the undersize of Darius Garland, who's six foot one and, and now the Mitchell's like six for two, six for three. I think that would be probably the only issue that you would have. Outside of that, I think that they're legit. I think they'll be there for real. I think that they could be a huge threat uh, in the Easter Conference. But I will say this, man. I got, I got to bring this up. I think the Knicks made, uh, made a huge mistake. I mean, weren't we hearing all summer long that the Knicks were going after Donovan Mitchell? That they got to get a star. They have to go after this this guy because they need a star in New York. They just need a star. And I understand because I remember we were talking to Isaiah about this because he was talking about, you know, you don't want to blow up your future and whatnot. But if you look at the offer, what New York gave to uh, to to Utah, I mean, you think about this. And also shout out to Utah, though. I think Utah did a good job this offseason, whatever they they need, especially to rebuild for the next couple of years. So shout Absolutely. out to them. Shout uh, out to uh, Yeah, def- definitely. Well, for ones, I mean, let's let's see if you can bring a title there for, for Christ's sake. For I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 don't give me a start. Anyway, um, the New York, listen, New York's final offer for Donovan Mitchell 
before they went to before the Jazz went to Cavaliers. They said we'll give you R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, two unprotected first round picks, and the Jazz said we want one more unprotected draft pick. We want another young player, which that was Quentin Grimes. They wanted and multiple pick swipes, and the Knicks said no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say looking at the offer that offer that the Knicks had. It is kind of slightly better than the Cavs uh, offer, if you ask me. Absolutely. Not only, not only that, I'm kind of intrigued to see that the Knicks did all that talking that they were going to go after a star, go after Donovan Mitchell, and they did, and they didn't get him. Now, of course, there were people, people like Isaiah who did say that he didn't necessarily want to give him if it means that they were going to blow up their roster. But my thing is that if you were able to get a star, if you believe that you can get better with with a star and get multiple stars with him then go after it my thing is that why are we depend why are we thinking that the knicks are going to be this good team in the future now like i said i don't really blame tom Thibodeau for last season because i don't believe that it's truly his fault because if you look at this team this team i think they overachieved two years ago if you ask me yes okay yeah. they overachieved and they were just lucky you could okay. tell the difference you could tell the difference. yeah def- definitely and now R.J. Barrett has this four-year, five, wherever, four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar extension. The last time they gave a Nick player a extension, a rookie max extension, was in nineteen ninety-nine. That's how long it's been. That's how long it's been. When you look at the Knicks, I'm dead serious. When the heck have they? When have they ever had a all-time great that played for the Knicks? When was the last time? Carmelo Anthony, right? And guess what? He wasn't drafted by the Knicks. All these star players that you could have gone after didn't come from the Knicks. Post Patrick Ewan era, the Knicks has been garbage. I mean, I mean, the, the, the Knicks has been a joke. And all the things that Knicks have done, like I'm gonna say this right now: all these things that the Knicks have done, RJ Barrett better be a superstar when it's all said and done. I'm sorry. I'm Let's serious. not forget they also paid Jalen Brunson 108, yeah. I think 110 million dollars, and yes. they paid Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. I believe after that offer got turned down, they extended him 60 million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know what's crazy? He was like the first player in a, in a while that they that a Nick got you know as a free as a restricted free agent get like a, a max deal or something like that. I, I'm like I'm like what the heck? Like it's been a minute. A restricted free agent? Wait, what? They, mm. they signed back back? Like, Nick? What? What? Like, it's been a while. But like I said, I just think that the Knicks, yeah, man, they 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 blew at this one, if you ask me. Like, I don't know what the heck is going through their mind. But uh, but it doesn't matter. Donovan Mitchell is a Cavalier now. So we'll see what happens. But uh, shout out to the Cavaliers. I'm um, happy with that, to be honest with you. I just did not think Donovan Mitchell was going to go to New York. I just didn't really? see it happening. No, yes. I didn't. I didn't. And my exact reasoning was that, I mean, they made their first mistake by giving Jalen Brunson a hundred plus million dollars. That's the really first big mistake. Well, what's... So that's when I was like, so if you did that, how are you going to try to do Diamond Mitchell? I just knew something was fishy with either money or like the way that the offer was going. I knew something was not right. Because well, I'm like, they would have made the offer if, if, if they wanted him so bad. Well, only time will tell. That's all we can say. Only, only time, time will tell. tell. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to Major League Baseball. I want to talk about this because I didn't get the chance to talk about this last week. So let's go ahead and bring this up. So the Yankees, I mean, obviously, they didn't have a good month in, uh, the, in August. I mean, it was <laughs> – in August, it was not looking good. I mean, whew, 
winning 10 games in the month of August. I mean, what the heck is going on? Laura, it was not good. But they're still in first place in their own division. So that's, you know, that's at least good with them. I mean, like, they're like, what, four, five, maybe six games uh, ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays, perhaps? I think that's the deal. Anyway, this is not about the Yankees. Well, kind of with the Yankees, but this is about Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge is having a is having the best season of his career. He's definitely balling. He's going to get paid after this season for sure. He's going to get that, that max deal. I'll tell you that right now. He's going to get his money no, no matter where he goes. So the Yankees better make sure they do something good after this season. Anyway, Aaron Judge leads the lead in home runs with 54. 54 home runs which means that he is on pace to have 65 home runs this season, which means that he could break Roger Maris' record, his single-season record for 61. Roger Maris obviously is a for, used to be a Yankee, and at the time when he played, he actually owned the record for 61 single-season home runs, which that was a record at the time. Even though that got broken in 1998 with Mark Guire and now Barry Bonds has it, it's still a single season record in the American League. Now, of course, like I said, Barry Bonds owns that record with set with 73 home runs in a season. However, Barry Bonds took PEDs. But even before then, Mark Guire and Sammy Sosa took PEDs. So we look at those guys as, you know, as tainted stats, if you ask me. But Aaron Judge, if I mean, if he gets to this route where he surpassed Roger Maris, he could be looked at as the first guy since Roger Maris as a guy who can break a record without it being tainted. I will say this right now. Let's just say that Aaron Judge, like I said, he has until October, early October, I believe, because like I said, the season doesn't end until like, I want to say the first two, three days of October, something like that. But let's just say that Aaron Judge does break Roger Mayer's record. And Aaron Judge is clean because right now we haven't heard him having PEDs. He's clean right now. If he does surpass Roger Mayer's, should or will Aaron Judge be the new single season home run king? Yeah, I see him. Um, definitely, I think he will be the home run king if he can um, surpass that record. Um, I think within the time frame of what the Yankees have, they have a good chunk of games left. I think considering what he has done so far, I think that he can continue that pace. Um, to me, I'm just going to say this right now, he's the MVP, period. Nobody's playing better yeah. than Aaron Judge. Nobody's making a greater impact of what he has done for his team than Aaron Judge. And the reason why I wanted to say that is because obviously we know what Shohei Otani does. We know what other people are doing. But let's be clear. This man is the MVP. He's knocking this ball out the park every nearly every single game and that what makes me believe for him to be the home run king because of the rate that he's going we've seen Aaron Judge at previous times have breakout seasons but you can tell that he's trying to get for his money and he's trying to go for that record this man has been unbelievable this season so I think that he can keep it going and I think in the end he will beat the record and I think he will end up being the new home run king yeah, um, I do believe that I've spoke about this beforehand. I do believe that he will be the home run king single season, by the way. I never thought that, I mean, until I found out that Barry Bonds took PEDs, I didn't think that he was a home run king. I, I, even though he broke Hank Aaron's record for, you know, for the most home runs in, in, in career, I still don't believe that he is the home run king. So for me, like, because he took PEDs, I kind of eliminate that and still call uh, Hank Aaron the home run king. 
just like for me, I still call Roger Maris the home run king single season. So if Aaron Judge does do this, it's going to be special. We're going to appreciate for him to actually break this record. And we're going to be like, wow, like he actually do it. Even though numbers wise, it would show that he didn't break the actual record for most home runs in a single season. It still would show that he did break Roger Mayer's record, which indeed he did not take PEDs. If Aaron Judge is clean, then he should be applauded for what he has done. And I know that every single time people go back and say like, well, it wasn't just hitters. Everybody was taking it or pitchers were taking it too. Let me just say this. Everybody was not taking it. Stop saying that everybody was taking it. And and because more pitchers were taking it than batters or hitters, that should give these hitters a pass. No, not indeed. And how many of these pitchers were, how many of these pitchers were breaking records for PEDs? How many of them? Why are we hearing, I'm trying to understand, why are we always hearing that more pitchers were taking it just to defend Barry Bonds? I don't care if it was more pitchers. I don't care who was taking it or as far as to defend these players. If you take PEDs, if you took an advantage, you should be crucified. You should be condemned for your actions. You cheated to get where you're at. And listen, we condemn these athletes, these college athletes for cheating. We condemn these, these people in the Olympics for cheating. And you know what happens? They erase their stats, erase their wins, erase their records. If we're going to erase theirs, why? this is what I don't get. Why don't we erase these stats when it comes to professional sports? I, I definitely believe in that. I believe that if you took PEDs around that time, your, your stats should be erased. That's how I feel about this. I don't believe that Barry Bonds is the home run king. I don't believe for single season or for career. I don't believe that he deserves to be home. He should have the records for, for most home runs in a single season or, or all-time period. I just think that, that because he cheated, he shouldn't have those. And if Aaron Judge is able to surpass Roger Maris, without question, he should be appreciated as the new home run king single season. And the reason why I say single season, because this was about, it's about the most home runs in a single season. So for me, yeah. without question, it damn sure should be, it, it, to me, it's no, it's a no-brainer. For real, he, he's, he would be the new home run king. And regardless of what happened in the playoffs, like I said, I'm, I'm still going to go with him. Because a lot of people, it's, listen, it's always it's hard to break someone's record, but to but to break someone's record and you're clean should be more applauded than anything else. So that's why to me, I'm gonna clap and see what happens. And as, as a matter of fact, I hope that he breaks Roger Mayer's record Maybe because I want to see that. You know what I'm saying? I want to see it happen. I mean, every single time I get a chance to watch it on television, I'm like, wow, he got an, he got another home run. Yes, it's <laughs> 54. He has been home the runs. best show in baseball. Period. He, listen, he 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 definitely is the MVP in the American League for yes, sure. He, he definitely is. And we look at Aaron Judge, like I said, he has about seven more to go to tie Roger Maris. I, I think he's gonna get it, and I hope that he does get it, but for sure, he's definitely without question the MVP. Even though he would, I don't think that he would ever get the 73 home runs. I mean, it's it's gonna be hard as hell for somebody yeah. to get 73 home <laughs> runs in a single season. I'm just saying yeah. in a pseudo in a season, 73 home runs. In 162 games, that is difficult as hell. But I, I'm going to be happy regardless if, as long as, as long as Justice surpass Roger Maris. Moving on to tennis, and as if you didn't know, then you know now. Serena Williams lost in the third round in her potential final tennis match of her career. 
And I know that there's a lot of people that was expecting Serena Williams to get far. I mean, like she got she got to the third round in the U.S. Open, and you know, kind of disappointed to see what does happen, but. You know, it's unfortunate. But as we know, we always got to go down to her career. If you look at her resume, let's go ahead and get it down the line. This one, Serena Williams, the GOAT. You know, we we say this all the time. One of the greatest female athletes of all time. The greatest female athlete of all time. If you look at her career, she has 367 career single wins at slams. She has 96 career titles, 39 grand slams. She has... 23 grand slams the most in the open era i'm repeat that again the most in the open era 73 tennis association single titles and she is a four-time olympic gold medalist she is simply amazing l'oreal how will serena williams legacy be remembered i just think when you think about serena williams um her dominance um her power her as an athlete it set a standard for sure. And it's a standard that I think that should be respected, especially when you think about tennis being a conservative white sport. Her dominance and what she was able to accomplish in this sport, being solely the woman that she is, she definitely set a standard. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing now when you look at her legacy and when you look at what's going to happen after her legacy for the generations to come. During her time playing tennis, like I said before, nobody was better than her. Nobody was better than her when it came to certain matches, when it came to grand slams, when it came to winning percentages, especially when you look upon women tennis athletes. Nobody was better than Serena Williams. She was truly one of one within that. And also when you think about what she has done, not only from a tennis level, just think of especially her and Venus, especially if you watch King Richard. Just think about the fact when they was around their teenage years, how they were getting million-dollar deals from Nike and Reebok. They was actually being that dominant at that age against some of these girls. And then when you see to keep that longevity within the past 20 years of an entire era, that is just amazing, flat-out amazing. And then it makes me sad to know that Serena is leaving because obviously when they did the very first, um, you know, special press conference after that with Gail King and all, it was very emotional because seeing Serena leave tennis, it's like, wow, man, you're really about to leave after what the magic that you have created. But at the same time, it just makes me even more excited because I'm telling you, this next generation is up. Naomi Osaka, she's only 24. She already has seven career titles and two grand slams at that. Coco Golf. This young lady, she's 18 years old, and she just reached her first quarterfinals. She's about to play in the quarterfinals today. So when you think about what Serena has done for these girls as well as other girls for years to come, that makes me so excited. I'm excited to see more Black women, more people of, people of color participate in tennis. I'm excited to see more girls, or even we'll see some Black men playing tennis. And I'm just excited to see people break barriers because that's what Serena did. Serena broke barriers when nobody else did. Who would have thought that a girl from Compton, California would be one of the greatest female athletes in the entire world? That's insane. So when you just think about that and think about this next generation to come, Serena just means she's just so sentimental to us because of that. 
And it's like her legacy could never be unmatched and her legacy will forever blossom because of what she has done in that legacy to create this future that we're about to see. Because tennis is going to change. Tennis is not going to be the same thing that we once saw before Serena and even after Serena. It's going to get, it's going to evolve much more than this. And because of what she, the standard that she has set, that's how it's going to grow so great. Well, look, when you mentioned Compton, you know, Compton, California, just make sure you mention Saginaw, Michigan as well. Just let you know, because she was born and she was born in Saginaw, Michigan. Just let you know the Williams sisters, Serena, Venus, just let you know about that. Just shout out to Saginaw, Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Michigan, May, you know, the deal is, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I actually asked my dad, I said, you know, I was like. Can Michigan claim Serena Williams? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that was, I actually asked my dad that question. I was like, you know, hey, you know, that's interesting right there. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's something to think about, but you know, hey, you know, it is what it is. Serena Williams will be remembered as, I looked at her as a pioneer. I look at a woman like her and Venus Williams who paved the way for other women, black women yes. that showed you that you could also be in this sport and dominate as well. They were, listen, Serena Williams wasn't just a good player. She was dominant. And I think that looking at black tennis players back then, they paved the way for the Williams sisters, especially for, for Serena Williams. And by the way, in her, you know, her retirement speech, because you don't want to call it retirement, she said that there wouldn't be Serena Williams if it wasn't for Venus Williams. Because Venus Williams started it. Venus Williams made sure that she start what she had to do first. And Serena Williams came alongside. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though Serena is better than Venus, Venus paved the way for Serena. And well, what I saw was two women that were able to find a way how to dominate, to, so, to say, you know what? No matter what happens, we're going to do what we have to do. And this is a sport. This is a sport that mainly white people play. And even yes. having a white audience, it's it's not like the NBA. It's not like the NFL where a lot of black people play the sports, even if even in baseball as well. But at the same time with baseball, there was a lot of black people that actually played baseball and baseball was the number one sports until football exactly. took over. But with tennis, hockey, I mean, what else? Soccer, uh, we can say well, well, soccer is a little bit different because you think, different. They, yeah, you think about global, like there's a lot of black people that play golf. You can add, you can talk to black people right now. Black people across around the world, they know what golf. They, I mean, not golf. They love soccer. But when you look at golf, hockey, you know what I'm saying, all this other stuff, and tennis, it's one of those sports that a lot of black people do not play. And when you have a black person who plays that sport, and they're not only good, but the great, there's a big target behind your back. Yes. Everybody's looking at you. And the reason why and and tennis, even though it's a popular sport, it's not as popular in America like when we talk about baseball, football, basketball. But when tennis is brought up, when we talk about them, who we who do we talk about the most? Serena Williams. Yes. Because you, you know why? Because we saw her level of dominance. We saw her GOAT level. We saw what she brought to the table. And the fact that she was so dominant in the open era gave us another a level of appreciation. I'll even go this far. Between Serena Williams and LeBron James, I believe that Serena Williams has been mistreated more than LeBron James. Absolutely, by a long shot. I, uh, absolutely. I mean, when you think of the very beginning when 
Venus. Remember Venus and Serena Williams had those, you know, beads, like yeah. their entire hair, beautiful braids, beautiful beads, you know. They they wanted to say that it was quote unquote a distraction when it's like the girls dusted them the competition, period. Right. So it whether was... you like it or not, they were just better than the competition. Yeah. And see, that's the problem that Serena had to face her whole entire career. She had to face all these comments, scrutiny, just not being able to be 100% authentically herself. And even when she didn't show it, like she didn't show it with fear, you know, because she was still dominating. She, she, she still showed it with her frustration. You remember it was one of those matches where she went against somebody and she went off off the rip and she jumped up and down. They literally made this woman into a whole political cartoon yeah. and they try to make her like some type of creature or a beast just because yeah. she had some kind of emotion or frustration Absolutely. over a match. They, they That's were what the Serena was dealing with. The, oh, she was. They were overcritical of her. When you are an all-time great and they know that you are all-time great, they find ways to talk about you that is outside of tennis. And every single time, most of the time when they criticize her, it wasn't even about tennis. It was about what she was wearing. It was about how was she acting. Was, oh, she's showing too much emotion. All these things, her, oh, her antics and this and that. Every single time they found ways, or the fact that she came from Compton, California. Yeah. Every single time they want to find a way to criticize Serena Williams. And she told those white folks and say, I'm still here. I'm still winning. And you're going to still watch me no matter how much you hate me. Yeah. Boom. And I just remember this and I just want to say this. Even though she didn't break, you know, you know, Margaret Court's record, you know, for most Grand Slams and whatnot. There, there was something that kind of bothered me that I did not get. Um, a few days ago, I saw a report that said that Margaret said, Margaret Court has something to say about Serena, Serena Williams. She said that I always admire Serena, but I don't think that she ever admired me. And I just got to say this right now. Why the heck are you talking about this after she retired? Well, what, what's the point of bringing this up? Why is that important? That is kind of weird because I'm like, did Serena personally tell you she didn't admire you? That's like, what I'm where saying. Where are you getting this from? I don't understand where this. I don't understand where this hate is coming from. I really don't understand this. Like it just, it's pure nonsense. And I'm really tired of this, real world talk. Like, like let's just appreciate greatness. As she's she's gone now. But I would say that this was a this, there was a question that was asked in her speech when she was asked, like, could we ever see you again? And she said, I don't know. You never know. There's a possibility that she could come back. I would not be surprised if she does come back. However, I will say this. It's time for her to retire. It is time. Like, sometimes you have to I believe that, too. Yeah. She's been, listen, she's been around for years. She's been around since the 1990s. You know what I'm saying? She's been doing this since she was a teenager. It's time to move on. Like, you've been doing this since you were a teenager. It's time to move on. It's time to live your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, seriously, like for her to say, like, like she had to, she had to grow up within, like, it, like she had to grow up from a kid to an adult in the professional world. Like I said, there's never been a time that she could relax. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, it is what it is. Like I, said, I think that when you look at Serena Williams, Serena Williams probably would be that person where you could say she's the least disputed GOAT. Of all, like ever, like when you think about ghosts in other sports, 
there are people who would debate in about football, basketball, maybe baseball, boxing, but I don't think a lot of people really debate about women's tennis. Like when it comes to women's tennis, I don't think a lot of people debate if Serena Williams is the GOAT or not. I think a lot of people would say that Serena Williams is the GOAT. Greatest female athlete of all time. And when we talk about, about GOATs and when we rank her, you know, with other GOATs, she's the only f- woman that I know that we compare her with other men. And not only in that, I believe that she was greater than Tiger Woods. I yeah. truly believe she was greater than Tiger Woods. Yeah. And and I know that Tiger Woods was this that he was that, but I believe that she was more dominant than Tiger Woods. And I don't believe that it's even debatable if you ask me. All right. So like I said, we already spoke about this earlier that the NFL will start on Thursday, starting with the Bills and the Rams. But let's go ahead. We're going to do our season preview. We're not going to do any awards, you know, this time around. But we'll, we'll probably do it later on, you know, when, you know, probably the end of the season. But anyway, let's just get started. Mid-season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe right there. Yeah, maybe. But let's get started. Division winners. Let's start with the AFC East, North, South, and West, and then we'll get started with the NFC East, North, South, and West. So, L'Oreal, you go ahead and start your division winners for the AFC and the NFC. All right, so AFC, the East, I got the Buffalo Bills. The North, I have the Baltimore Ravens. The South, I have the Indianapolis Colts. And the West, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. For the NFC, NFC East, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. NFC South, I have the New Orleans Saints. NFC West, I have the Los Angeles Rams. And NFC North, I have the Green Bay Packers. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, some things are pretty similar. I mean, most things are pretty similar. I mean, others are a little different. The AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills. AFC North, I have the Baltimore Ravens. AFC South, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Uh, for the AFC West, I have the Denver Broncos. They will win the division. Get at me, folks. For the NFC East, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. For the NFC North, I have the Green Bay Packers. NFC South, I have the New Orleans Saints. Yes, get at me, folks. The Saints will make moves. Get at me. And in the NFC West, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Even though, yes, I even though I said what I said. Yes, I do believe that they will find a way how to win their division. Now, let's go with the wild cards. AFC wild cards. Get at me. All right. So, AFC wild card. Hmm. This was a bit um tough, but I picked for my wild card the Los Angeles Chargers, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Miami Dolphins. And for the NFC, for my wild card, I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. All right. Okay. All right. Well, well AFC wildcard, I forgot to talk about the NFC, but AFC wildcard, I have the Kansas City Chiefs, Las Vegas Raiders, and the, wow, this this last one was pretty tough for me. I was going back and forth, see how it goes. But I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. I think uh, mm-hmm. as, long as, as long as Derrick Henry is healthy and that defense is still there, I still have to go with the Titans here. I'm, I think the Titans will at least make it to the playoffs. I, I think the Dolphins. I mean, I don't know I mean, the Bengals. We'll see what happens. I mean, I gotta see if they can do it again. Patriots. I mean, yes. oh man, I mean, it's tough. It's just, yeah, the AFC is just tough. That's the oh, problem. Oh, so tough. But I think that probably the Titans will stick it in there for the um 
For the NFC wild card, I'm going with the 49ers, which, I mean, they could possibly win the division, but I'll go with the 49ers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last one was tough because I was really going hard to say the Minnesota Vikings. Real talk. I ain't going to lie to you. But I, I slightly, I gave the edge to the Dallas Cowboys. I would say the Cowboys mm. would take that route. All right, so that's who, I guess those are the 14 teams that we have making it to the playoffs for sure. Now let's go with the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Who do you have there? So AFC Championship game, um, I am going with, ooh. Hmm. I'm going with the Bills and the Bengals. And for the NFC Championship game, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams. Okay, all right, so, all right. So for me, in this AFC Championship game, I got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos. And for the NFC Championship game, I have the New Orleans Saints versus the Green Bay Packers. Mm, okay. <laughs> all right, who's your Super Bowl? Super Bowl pick, I have the Bills going against the Rams. And obviously, I'm going to keep my same energy. I think the Rams will repeat this year. You you have the who the who you have the who the who? So for my Super Bowl pick, I have the Buffalo Bills going against the Los Angeles Rams. Oh. And I am keeping the same energy and I'm sticking with my pick oh, of God. the Rams repeating okay. as champions. All right. All right. So for me, this is gonna shock some folks right here. I'm going with the Denver Broncos versus the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I got the Denver oh, Broncos will be your 2003 wow. Super Bowl champions. Yes, 2022-2023 Super Bowl champions. Get at me, folks. Russell Wilson will be the MVP. Now, you want an explanation? Mm-hmm. We're not getting an explanation right now. <laughs> we'll talk about it a little later because we got to get going. All right, folks. That's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 88. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Silvercast, iHeartRadio, and on YouTube, folks. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, download us, folks. I want you to share this this to your family members, to your friends, to your associates. We out, baby. That's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 88. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace!